the whole thing had changed. You know, it was no longer 1963, 1966. It was a whole different era. friends and welcome back to the sail on podcast this is wyatt in nashville tennessee happy summer to all of you northern hemisphere dwellers and happy birthday brian and bruce of course and happy new season of the podcast we are finally here thank you to will c for that awesome new music and to matt thompson for that amazing new artwork we've made it i hope you guys are doing well i've been on the road a lot, super busy with the Ceylon band. I got to see some of you guys out there this month, and um, that was really awesome. Huge thank you to Michael in Pasco, Washington, Mike King in Rhode Island, and Trey Connolly in Westchester. Great to see you guys. And you guys can check out the tour dates on the website if um, anyone wants to come accuse me of stolen Beach Boys Valor, and we can have a great time. Today... I'm joined by longtime contributor to the show, Nia D'Amelio. You may know her from her Patreon-exclusive show, Unhinged with Nia D'Amelio. Welcome back, Nia D'Amelio. Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. We haven't had you as an official guest on the show. <laughs> You've just been like a, a, I call you a contributor. Yeah. But um, longtime listener, first-time guest. Yes, I'm, I'm thrilled. I... Uh, yeah, I don't even know what to say. I'm so truly excited to have a whole episode to myself. <laughs> so the patrons of the show will be more familiar with you and your personality and the things you love about the Beach Boys and 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 don't love. So <laughs> just to let everybody know, Nia hates pet no. sounds. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I knew where this was going. That's her not email true. is yeah no. Um, but yeah, so since since this is um, your first real appearance, other than a couple of a couple of guest appearances, yeah. you are our official um, SoCal <laughs> correspondent because uh-huh. we have John, of course, who is is in uh, the Bay, like the Wine Country, yes. or the Bay Area. Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the Beach Boys and anything else. Would love to. So um, yes, I currently live now in Burbank, California, and I've lived here for the last two years. 
Um, but rewinding way far back, I think like many of us, the Beach Boys were sort of just part of my life. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. I, I really grew up with my grandmother a lot and she always had the oldies station on in her car. And so uh, pretty much any music from the sixties I like and is my favorite, just because that's what I grew up listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the beach boys, I, I had a friend, my friend had four tickets to their 50th reunion show in Pittsburgh, which is where I'm from. And one of our friends dropped out at the last second and my friend Ben said to me, you like music, do you want to come? And I said, sure. Um, and it, it literally like changed the trajectory of <laughs> my life. Hmm. Um, I was expecting to know every song and I knew maybe half the songs. And yeah. the songs that stood out to me were your favorite, Please Let Me Wonder, um, mm. Uh, a pet sound song. I just wasn't made for these times. <laughs> and uh, I was already a fan of Heroes and Villains, but they did the Smile Sessions version, and that, I think, is my favorite Beach Boy song. So I it just blew my mind, and pretty much ever since then, I've been down this rabbit hole, and y- you and Ceylon, of course, did not help the disease. And... Um, <laughs> Super spreaders, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I've just been, you know, I've I've seen all the docs. I've watched a lot of concerts now because that's what Unhinged is. Um, and I go see anybody who's in town if I can. Um, yeah, I was at the Grammy salute like in, in March. So I, I just try to mm, do yeah. as much stuff. And L.A. affords a lot of that stuff because a lot of them live here and then a lot of people just come through L.A. anyway. So um, I feel like I am in Beach Boy land pretty often. Um, yeah, so that's me. And you're close friends with Mike because um, you guys vacation <laughs> together. We've heard about that. Yeah, I did see if in case you are a longtime <laughs> listener. <laughs> yeah. Years ago, I did see Mike Love over Christmas up in Pebble Beach, which is closer to John's territory. It's like near yeah. Monterey. And uh, yeah, I saw him crossing the street and he had this big puffer jacket on that had embroidered in it, Dr. Love. Unmistakable. It was incredible. Completely him. But <laughs> we did not interact. <laughs> Love it. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Sunflower today, of course, but we're also going to kind of talk about the summer of 69 because there's a lot going on in Beach Boys land and we've been so focused on... Uh, the recording sessions as we as we uh, move through this year, the Beach Boys were um, supposed to deliver a new album. We'll let that unravel as we go. But first off, let's uh, celebrate the news. So some of you guys know, I'm sure, but there are a couple of new Beach Boys touring band members, John Bolton on drums and John Wedemeyer on guitar. So we said goodbye to longtime guitarist Scott Totten and drummer John Cowsill uh, a couple months ago. Uh, I don't know what's up with all the Johns. There's a lot of Johns in the Beach Boys. 
John Stamos. <laughs> uh, so yeah, interesting. But I don't know how they found these guys. But I'm I'm more curious about the departures than yeah. the arrivals. So I've heard some rumors. We'll leave it at that. I've heard some rumors that are um, about the, the departure. Yeah. But well, there goes my dream of the Beach Boys ever playing the Ray in the Park and other things with John Cowles. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I hope he's he's doing well. I hope Scott Totten's doing well. They were longtime contributors to the to the live Beach Boys band. So wish those guys well. Um, congrats to the new guys. And uh, yeah, the beat goes on. We've still got Mike and Bruce. Um, from what I've heard from people that have seen them, and uh, just from the videos I've seen, it's, they sound really good. So. Well, I was not going to go see them. They are at the Hollywood Bowl for the 4th of July, and oh, cool. I was not going to go, but now I feel like I have to. I have to check out the new the new blood. Yeah, what's next? Um, oh, yeah, so another thing that's kind of cool I wanted to talk about is these weird, fascinating, scary new Beach Boys artificial intelligence mixes that people have been making where it's either like a younger version of Brian singing a song from the 80s or Paul McCartney singing God Only Knows. Just all these things are coming out now, and a lot of them are, are getting taken down off of YouTube and whatnot. But it's pretty fascinating, especially the, the one that I heard that was Brian singing Guess I'm Dumb, which is like an mm. all-time favorite of mine and always, of course, the dream to hear Brian singing that song. It's kind of creepy and a little off, but it still just gave me chills to hear it because it was like, wow, this is so close. Um, and then a few others, and I reached out to to the uh, the person that was making a lot of these, and I didn't hear back. I was hoping to get some inside access, but it was it's just been really fascinating. And I think the it's kind of the Wild West right now, but there are some there are some copyright laws being written and um, executed now. So a lot of these things are being taken down, but um, I think you have more experience than I do as far as this. You were, you were doing some research of your own recently. Yeah, I was doing some research of my own and I was playing around with a software. Um, not my singing voice but just my speaking voice mm -hmm. and I don't even know how it did this but it the, the, the voice that it generated for me breathed where I would have breathed in a sentence it was like that is wild it was really unbelievable um, on the music front I think it's a 
it's going to be a really, like you alluded to, it's going to be a really fascinating legal battle in the coming years. Um, I know that mm. Grimes, uh, the musician Grimes, has already said that if anyone wants to use her voice, she'll split the royalties 50-50, which is... Wow. She's, I mean, you know, she's kind of wild, but it's, I mean, everyone I think is going to have a different opinion about it, every artist, mm -hmm. and AI is not going away, so right. <laughs> it's... It's going to be really interesting. We are we are at the beginning of the storm. Like we are just starting. So, I'll be eager to see what happens in the coming months and years. Um, but guess I'm yeah. dumb. Totally agree. What a oh my What gosh. a dream. <laughs> the first thing that I thought of after hearing that and after hearing like the Paul McCartney stuff mm -hmm. and some of the Beatles stuff and obviously Paul McCartney's announced that they're going to they're going to finish up um, I think it's now and then yeah. that they're going to finish up. That's what the, I've heard the, as well. The third reunion song that George Harrison did not like, <laughs> so they stopped recording it. But I don't know right, exactly right. how much George was involved <laughs> before they um, before they nipped it in the bud. But it's interesting to see artists like embracing it, especially in that sense. I mean, obviously, like George and John's estates are going to have to sign off on it mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But otherwise, like, just think about the possibilities as far as like someone like Brian Wilson, who could write a new album and use his younger self wow. as an avatar, if you will. Like he could sing the songs, but it could be him from 1966 singing it. Holy cow. I mean, who's going to stop him from doing that? I mean, it's his voice. So, yeah. I mean, it's really interesting and it's really exciting in that way. Because, and Paul McCartney too, who, you know, is now getting up there mm -hmm. in age, like he just turned 81 as well. Mm -hmm. And um, he's not what he used to be, even though he's still fantastic. Mm -hmm. I mean, just thinking about these artists able to kind of have an immortal voice from when they were at their peak is, is exciting. And I think it's definitely going to happen. And I don't know how much Brian Wilson is interested in that or how much he's interested in making music at all anymore. Mm -hmm. But... Just the first thing I thought of, and I think it would be cool. And I think there's a lot of possibilities within the realm of the Beach Boys uh, that are exciting. And as the technology gets better, you know, it's sort of like when Auto-Tune came out, where at first it was like really awkward sounding and kind of, you know, in your face obvious. And now there's like amazing technology with mm -hmm. um, tuning vocals and shaping vocal performances that it's it's really... Uh, indistinguishable from an actual performance. Mm -hmm. So that I think that AI will get that uh, same advancements in the next coming years. It's interesting. I mean, I've, I've been using AI tools in my audio engineering work mm -hmm. for a few years now, and they're getting really good and they're, and they're fantastic. And I'm, I know that a lot of people are scared to use this stuff and they think it's cheating or they, you know, and at the end of the day, the song is what matters and the, storytelling and that's that's all going to be the focus of of the final product but i think it's really fascinating and it's been fun yeah it'll be i mean there's a there's a bunch of tracks you could finish surfs up um yeah you could finish you know what i and i i don't think this will come as a surprise to you because you mm -hmm. you follow me but i've been into california feeling a lot i really yeah. love that song and you know, he only sings like the first line and then Carl right. sings the rest. And I love Carl, but 
It would be very cool to hear Brian sing that whole song. Yeah, it's it's just a, uh, it's the Wild West, man. It's just it who is. knows. There's just so much you can do, and there's some amazing creations online. And I, I, uh, I think we've just scratched the surface. Totally. And um, so if you guys are, if you guys are interested in, in this stuff, check it out on YouTube. Just look up Beach Boys AI. A lot of cool stuff coming up, and um, it'll probably get taken down before long so just check it out while you can Wouldn't it be nice we just listened to the premiere of the Dolby Atmos mix of Pet Sounds this was a whole new dimension to listening to that album I would probably say that God Only Knows shine the best in a place like this just to hear all the countering vocals in different parts of the room is really cool Giles Martin is a master of this stuff and you can't get anything better than this it was really cool to hear his perspective on what it means to hear something open up from mono into a place like this where you can just have infinite points of sound as many of you guys know Pet Sounds was released in Atmos and it's uh, sort of taken the whole world by storm with the Beatles re-releases done by Giles Martin. And now Giles Martin has done pet sounds. And uh, if you have the ability to hear it in Atmos, it's worth checking out. It's very interesting and and you can hear all types of crazy stuff happening all around you. Um, Our very own John Brody was able to attend the premiere out in LA for the Atmos pet sounds release. And he's joining us now to tell us about it. How's it going, man? Good. How's it going with you, Wyatt? It's good. I'm excited to to hear about your experience. It it seemed really, really interesting. And I, I was thrilled to see you on the Beach Boys social media. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they, they pulled me aside at the end and had me answer a few questions. And I didn't really know what to say. But they, they uh, <laughs> put me in all the videos on YouTube and Facebook and stuff. Love it. So how was it? What did, what was the experience like? How did you uh, find out about it? And and yeah, tell us about it. It was cool. Uh, I was lucky enough to be invited by a member of the Beach Boys management team. And there were a, a whole bunch of people there that I'm sure our listeners would recognize. Uh, Jerry Schilling, head of Brother Records, he was there. Alan Boyd, David Leaf, uh, Dennis Wolf from Universal Music, and... Uh, it was it was a cool, really cool event. They played it for us in a Dolby screening room, which is a room specifically designed to play Atmos mixes. And Giles Martin was even there via Zoom, and it must mm. have been about 4 a.m. his time. Wow. But he was there live to, <laughs> to answer questions, which was really awesome. Nice. Well, first first off, what did you think of the uh, the sound of the mix and everything? I thought I thought it sounded really good. I don't really have an Atmos listening setup here. I don't know if you do, so I don't really have much of a reference point mm-hmm. for what other albums sound like in Atmos. I haven't really, you know, delved into that world yet. But it was, uh, it was, it was pretty awesome. They have, they had speakers all over the room, of course, and most of it was coming from the front. But then uh, the harmonies, I noticed they they kind of place them all over the room so it would mm. you would have like brian singing wouldn't it be nice in front of you but then all the other beach boys kind of surrounding the uh the listener so it was pretty cool nice yeah i have a, a humble atmos um set up at my place just for yeah. my home theater and everything so I, i've listened to 
a lot of the stuff, like the Beatles stuff that came yeah. out. And um, have you listened to Pet Sounds yet? I haven't actually. So I've listened to it on like my AirPods Max, which yeah. you can yeah. you can sort of have like you know head tracked uh, at most. It's kind of a virtual experience, but yeah, where you turn um, around and it's... it was really interesting to listen to. And I'm I'm just looking for the right time where I can have like a quiet you know half hour plus to, yeah. to listen to it yeah. and just sit down and listen to the whole thing. I've just been on the road and busy lately, but I'm excited. And what I heard just from the headphones sounded really good. And I was a little bit worried when I heard about it, but, but I, when I found out that Giles Martin was involved, I knew it was going to be good because he did some really great tasteful Atmos mixes for the beach, for the Beatles. Um, and uh, so, yeah, this, this seems like it's on the same track. I think I read his, him saying in an interview that it was meant to put you kind of in the studio, kind of being surrounded mm -hmm. by all the instruments, and it's supposed to be hyper-realistic, if, if that makes sense. It does make sense, yeah. It, it didn't feel gimmicky at all. Yeah. Uh, which I feel like, I like I said, I haven't heard a lot of these things, but... Um, I feel like that's always a fear when you're when we're going into a new format, just yeah. to kind of make use of it just because. Yeah. Just absolutely. have things flying in circles like crazy. Uh, which mm. would sort of take away from the experience. But I thought, yeah, it was tasteful. The sound was pretty dry, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit closer to the mono than the stereo, I noticed. Like there was less reverb, but you kind of you kind of don't need as much when you have the ability to put things in different places rather than just make it sound like they're coming right. from different places. Yeah. And there wasn't any doctoring or any, like any extra work outside of the spatial mixing. Um, yeah. so that's, yeah. um, that's a great thing in my opinion, because we've, we've seen it happen like with, with other artists and stuff where they'll try and like go back and fix things that were, yeah. you know, like that were perceived as mistakes or whatever. But, um, I mean, I just, I just love that Giles' approach is very natural, and he's, he did say that he thinks that Pet Sounds in mono is a perfect record, and there's nothing you can do to improve on that. And um, this was just sort of about doing something new and, and, and creating a new way to listen to the album and not at all to replace the original. Yeah, he seemed, uh, when, he, when he talked at our event, he seemed very humble about the whole thing. Like, he didn't really want it to be a, a Giles Martin uh, event. It was more just he was the one who happened to create mm. this this version of the of the album, and he's he's such a big fan. You could tell he really loves the album, yeah. which is always a good thing to have someone working on something that they actually enjoy doing it. Yeah. So um, I wonder if we'll see anything else related to to this for the Beach Boys. I kind of doubt it. There's nothing else that kind of um, garners that kind of attention to where we would get like a spatial mix, but there's, there's been some other things like just, you know, one-offs here and there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but this, this got a real proper treatment and, uh, I look forward to experiencing it in my own home, um, as best I can. I'm, I'm jealous that you got to hear it in a true Atmos, <laughs> you know, listening room, which is crazy. Cause there's probably like 30 speakers. Yeah. Um, there were so many speakers, man. I wish they did some sort of thing where they They'd play it, and you can go get a ticket. Yeah, you know, if they I know. did some sort of like, they had Atmos locations all over, right? Because movie theaters are right. equipped with Atmos now. A lot yeah, of them, yeah, most are. of them, yeah, yeah. I wish that were that were the case. It, it's uh, probably not going to happen though. Um, no, if they but... didn't do it for the Beatles, they're definitely not doing it for, <laughs> for the Beach Boys. 
Well, I'm glad we even got this. Uh, yeah. I know that the um, Dennis Wolf, who was presenting, sort of said that the men- mentality behind it was, well, the Beatles are getting all these really cool Atmos mixes. Why should we let them get everything? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's give the Beach Boys a chance and and see what can be done. And and I I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it sounded great, and it was a it was a fun event. I don't really have a way to listen to it back mm-hmm. in Atmos. Um, like you said, I, I can do like the AirPods yeah. or the headphones, uh, you know, tracking thing. But um, yeah, it was it was it was great. I mean, Brian would have no interest in this at all because he's got one ear to begin with. So Brian refused to even let his engineers make a stereo mix and yeah, he just deliver right. capital a mono master exactly. and said, just just do your fake stereo thing on this. I love that that picture of Brian just standing in front of that one speaker. Um, oh yeah, it's yeah. just the best. It's like, man, yeah, that's that's it. I mean, like this dude, all he needed was one speaker. Yeah, that was that was the whole point. I really. know, and it's it's um, that's a whole different discussion. But you know, whether whether or not you can do something doesn't mean you should. But um, right. I think this is cool, and I like the way Giles approaches it, and and he's so respectful with all this material, and um, and like I said, it's it's not replacing the mono. It's not like you have to rush out and and buy a CD of pet sounds in mono because it's going to be gone forever. It's, it's still no, going to be no. <laughs> available to stream. And <laughs> yeah, people would lose their minds if they took pet sounds in mono off of streaming. So, yeah. And, and that's a good point. I, I got to ask Giles what the, um, the hardest track was to mix mm. into Atmos given just the way the album was recorded. And he said, wouldn't it be nice just because it's so massive mm. and it's so clearly meant to just be like this wall of sound yeah you know it's very it's probably the most overtly phil specter inspired mm-hmm. track off the record and to sort of expand that into you know a three-dimensional space is kind of uh it almost seems contradictory you know to what brian was going for yeah but i think it turned out well and i i like that he he was aware of that and had the understanding that this album was not m- made for this kind of mix you know, it was not in mind when he was, yeah. when Brian was making it. This is a reimagining. Well, I'll have to do a comparison. I have the like 5.1 Blu-ray. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Mix, yeah. Um, and I I only have like two um, height, like two overhead speakers for my Atmos. So I don't have like the complete surround thing going. It's just a seven speaker setup, but um, <laughs> it's way more than most. Yeah, but I I I've. I'm excited to kind of, I'll try and do like a comparison and see how, how different they are and see what I can tell is going on. But anything else about the event that you, uh, that was exciting or? Um, I'm trying to think. It was cool to see so many faces that I'd, I'd been familiar with but hadn't met in person. Um, just the event itself. Yeah. And um, I thought it was, I just thought it was really cool of Giles to, uh, stay up till 4 a.m. answering questions for us. He mm. he came on and did a little presentation. They played the album in the dark, which is which cool. I liked because that's the way Brian has said mm-hmm. is the best way to listen to pet sounds. And then he came on at the end for questions. So um, you know the guy is dedicated when he's making himself available for something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm so glad you got a chance to do that. I'm jealous, but excited that that you were there. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime. We're um, back here, stuck in 1969. Um, we'll hopefully talk to you and, and Will next month. 
about the sunflower sessions if you guys are Absolutely. ready. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm sure you are. <laughs> uh I haven't been this excited about um like breaking down sessions in a while. So I look forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Yeah, I love Sunflower and I love the uh Steven Desper home studio era. Oh, I think yeah. it's so cool. Man. Yeah, it is great. We will talk to you next month, man. Thank you so much for sharing that experience with us. No problem. See you then. So here we are, the summer of 69. The Beach Boys have failed to deliver their new album by May 1st, which was the deadline set by Capitol Records. Most of these recordings, which Will and John discussed in episode 70, were in various states of completion, and they were in no way ready for an album. So with the group gearing up for the European tour, Brian shifted his focus to finishing up their new single, Breakaway, which would be released on June 16th, along with the B-side, Celebrate the News. I know we had a very thorough breakdown from Will and John, but I'd love to get your thoughts, Nia, on the Breakaway single. And maybe we can give this song a rating, because that's what people really like. I would Apparently. I would gladly love to talk about uh, Breakaway. It is, it is one of my favorite Beach Boy songs. Nice. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorites as well, and it's it's one of those that um, took me a while to to wrap my head around. I remember hearing it on one of the compilations when I was young. It's on Spirit um, of America. I can tell you that. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I I was very uh, was very intrigued by it, and especially um, the uh, the percussion in this song was always stuck out to me when I was. Um, a kid, I was a drummer, and I loved the drums on this song, and I loved the all the different percussion elements. So I remember that. That was my first impression. And then much later, when I was probably college age, I got into this song because of all the harmonies and obviously just the great vocal performance um, from everybody. And um, I just think it's a great showcase of where the band was at this time vocally and also, just Brian, like, really getting interested in making a song again was really fascinating to me um, coming out of, like, the 2020 era where he wasn't very interested. And um, it's just a great track, and it was such a great um, collaboration with Brian and his dad, um, a.k.a. Reggie Dunbar. Um, who knows what people were thinking when this came out? Everybody's looking up Reggie Dunbar like at the record store, like, where's this Reggie Dunbar guy? Who is this? You know? Yeah. So funny. Um, what a great song. It's a nine out of 10 for me. It's one of those songs that every time I hear, I feel like I'm learning more about it. And especially when I heard the breakdown from Will and John, I was like, man, this song is so crazy. Like, they did so much on this song. It was just, it was like, you know, I mean, it was one of those big Brian productions. And um, now, you know, hearing everything that, that Steve Desper said about it, like it was, Brian was really, really involved and, and really excited about this track. Yeah. I, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, about, I, I was also going to say, every time I listen to it, I hear something new or like it gets, yeah. it gets better and better for me. 
Um, yeah. This song, I would imagine. So my, so I have "Endless Summer" and "Spirit of America" from mm-hmm. from my mom. Those were like the first two Beach Boys vinyl records that I ever encountered. And Amazing. so I'd heard, I must have heard "Breakaway" at some point. But it's funny, like you, something like uh, "Breakaway" or sorry to compare it to this song. Or like Kokomo, <laughs> mm-hmm. like when you don't know the Beach Boys history, you're like, well, these all these songs came out at the same time. And then my parents were here a couple years ago, and I was playing Spirit of America at my mom's request, and Breakaway came on, and I said, whoa, they put Breakaway on this album? Like, I was like, <laughs> what the heck? Like, what's it doing in here? Because, like, you know, it's in the middle of all these you know, like our car club or whatever, like from, <laughs> yeah. from stuff from like shut down volume two. And I just was like, wow, this is so interesting um, that this is on here. Mm-hmm. I I don't know when I fell in, in love with Breakaway, but I can tell you why I fell in love with Breakaway. I, like you said, it is a big Brian production. To me, it's almost like an evolution from Good Vibrations. Yes. Um, and he's absolutely, obviously, the master of making complicated arrangements. Mm-hmm. Um, the vocal arrangements on this, he's doing what he does best, which is like these beautiful, languid harmonies in the background. And then up front are these like rhythmic lines, like either with words or not. Um, and that's just the vocals. That's <laughs> like, bonkers how yeah how much stuff is packed into this song and then the other thing that i really love about it is that this song contains one of my favorite beach boys lyrics ever of all time and it's in the second verse when i think mike sings it but he says found out it was in my head found out it was my head um yeah i love those lines and i know that this is a little uh, inaccurate to say, but every time I hear them, I almost, I'm like, this I th- feels like an Easter egg from Brian or Murray or both about their own struggles. Um, because I, I think they both had similar uh, mental struggles and it it just feels like both of them are kind of coming to grips maybe with their own illnesses um yeah and absolutely and it's such a joyful sounding song and this is i mean that's classic beach boys the music sounds amazing and the words are so sad (laughs) so it's it's just i love that line so much i scream it every time i listen to it um but yeah breakaway one of my favorites i think it's number 12 uh for me, I have a whole list of all the songs, but I usually just pay attention to the first 12. Yeah, um, nice. And it is 12 for me, and I would also give it a 9 out of 10. Awesome. Yeah, we're on the same page there. Both these guys were going through a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, man, and they had a really tough relationship, obviously. And, you know, the, I mean, soon after this, Mary sells the Sea of Tunes catalog. Yes. <laughs> um, huge slap in the face to Brian. Um, we won't get too into that today, but that's coming up mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it is crazy. So the breakaway single peaked at just 63 in the U.S. 
but as we've come to expect, it did much better in the UK. It reached number six, and it broke the top ten in Ireland and the Netherlands. So this came out during the European tour, so it was really good. They were playing Breakaway every night, and um, they were still selling out crowds over there. It was it was keeping them afloat, really, in, in many ways. Um, so just three days before the Beach Boys were to head to Europe, Ryan arranged a press conference at his house where he stated, the Beach Boys empire is crumbling and in deep financial trouble. We owe everyone money, and if we don't pick ourselves up off our backsides and have a hit record soon, we will be in worse trouble. When we started making good money, a lot of the guys started throwing their money around, buying cars, houses, and other things, and pretty soon the cash started dwindling. When we didn't have the hits, there just wasn't enough bread to come in to pay for the overheads, and we started to feel the ship sinking. Dennis now lives in a one-bedroom cellar in the basement of a friend's house in Beverly Hills. His room has a bed and a piano and nothing else, not even a bathroom. The Beach Boys tour of Britain must be a success if, if the group is to survive. Way to throw Dennis under the bus there, Brian. Good Lord. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't like this from Brian. I think it's a bad move. Mm. It really sabotaged the Beach Boys. There were a lot of promoters in the UK that were like, hey, what's going on? Are you guys coming? Is this okay? Like, they were really concerned about this. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know what the point of this press conference was. Just Brian feeling <laughs> helpless and desperate because he was running out of money. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, you live in a giant mansion in Bel Air. Yeah. Like, y you can live within your means, Brian. Like, God. Well, it's just a little silly to me. <laughs> I, he's like throwing all the other guys. When the, he's like, when, when we got money, everybody started buying cars and houses. It's like, no, you did too, buddy. Like, <laughs> not just the Beach Boys. I think that um, you are objectively correct that this was not the right thing to do. Um, yeah. I think this is proof that Brian is a genius because um, – he like is like a musical genius because he has absolutely no idea how the business works. This is this is proof of that. <laughs> that like he's such a good musician and just has mm -hmm. absolutely no knowledge of anything else. Um so I I kind of love it in in a dark sort of way. It's like it could you imagine if Brian had like Twitter? Like he would have put this mm. on Twitter, you know? Of course. Had it been this is a Twitter rant. But That's it's, amazing to think about, like, because Brian, <laughs> the stuff that he would put on Twitter would have been absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. And the mention, yeah. the mention of Dennis uh, is so interesting because Dennis, you know, as we're going to, I think, touch on later, um, is, is living in a hotel for a reason um, in addition to his, like, overt generosity. But and giving all his money away to people. But it he didn't, you know, Brian doesn't mention the other reasons that Dennis is no longer living in his house, which, you know, I, I am curious how much the other guys, I guess, knew mm. about everything else um, yeah. going on. Mm -hmm. But interesting to call out Dennis's name in this press conference when I'm sure that Dennis wanted absolutely everything but attention. Absolutely. Um, I mean, these guys were just all really bad with money, except Al, 
who I think was probably like when this <laughs> press conference came out, he was like, I'm doing fine. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> but um, all these all these guys were just blowing money left and right on clothes and cars and houses. And and it was like, you know, Good Vibrations gave them like a new lease on, on, the, on the band. And um, now it was like, okay, that money's kind of running out now. It's been a couple of years. We haven't had a big hit. So I, they were really stressed out about this, and it it was um, it was you know it's really been evident that Brian worked best under pressure, like whether it was like mm-hmm. pressure to deliver for an album or pressure to deliver because he needed a new single right here. I mean, otherwise he just kind of you know was was in bed at this point, like he just wasn't interested in making music. But when he was kind of forced his hand it was it was really great i mean this this breakaway single was fantastic and um although it wasn't like the the savior that they needed it was it it did enough to keep the band going mm-hmm. um and obviously the european tour went really well mm-hmm. um so uh something else that i wanted to mention uh mm-hmm. that and i didn't know how i would we this was gonna fit into the episode but this is the time to mention it um yeah I I am so one of my favorite things about the Beach Boys is that they are a family band and I think that that, that is crucial to every decision they've ever made um how they get along with each other and it's not lost on me that at this time at the beginning of the summer of 1969 besides Bruce every yeah. Beach Boy has at least one child and mm-hmm. so I think you know that could also be part of the pressure with Brian because Wendy is due in October mm. and he has Carney the year before. Right. Um, so he also might be looking at his familial situation. Carl just had a baby in March. Mike's got three kids. Al has one. Dennis has two. So yeah. I think also, yeah. you know, he might be in his own way thinking, well, all my, you know, all my brothers have families. My cousin's got a family, like, and we need to feed these kids mm-hmm. <laughs> somehow. And it just, the families seem to be growing. So that also could have been some kind of stress in his life that would make him call a whole press conference. They were really young still, you know. They're still in their early to mid-20s. Also during this time and... Mm-hmm. Obviously, on the heels of what we just talked about, Brian in general seemed to be distancing himself from music. This uh, a story that gets passed around is that he went to Hal Blaine's house with all of his gold records and begged Hal to take them. Um, I think just because he didn't want them in his house. And then, of course, and and in light of our conversation, now I'm thinking about this a little bit differently. But this is also the time when Brian opens. The Radiant Radish, which is his health food store in West Hollywood, um, most notably, I think, where he learned how to use a cash register. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, obviously, he's, you know, he's trying to find alternative ways to to live, I guess. Um, and it's obvious he doesn't want to be a beach boy in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. And it's up for debate how close he wants to be related to music in general. And then just to kind of round out the Dennis conversation, uh, the Manson murders happen in August of this summer. 
And Mm -hmm. prior to that, during this time, Dennis is living, I think, in the Beverly Hills Hotel or or various Mm -hmm. friends' houses. And um, he's been threatened. He and his son, Scott, have been threatened by the Manson family. And so it's a precarious time for Dennis to be, like I said, in the public eye um, and for his family potentially to be in the public eye. And I can't imagine what he felt like having to go to Europe. I I would imagine it was a mix of relief and also terror that he had to leave his family. Um, Mm. But it's just, it's kind of crazy what's going on like in May and June of 1969. Yeah, it's weird because they don't really, obviously they don't talk about that stuff and they weren't, you know, it wasn't making headlines yet. Uh, but yeah, that was a that was a wild situation mm-hmm. and pretty fresh still. Anyway, here's a quote from Beach Boys manager Nick Grillo. The boys, from an asset and liability point of view, had healthy financial statements. The problem that we did face was the cash flow. In other words, not having sufficient cash. We'd had excellent borrowing power, and we did borrow against some very important type investments to sustain us through some very difficult periods. We had to maintain uh, a certain level of, I guess, an image, because we had to maintain an office. I mean, their affairs are very complex. Uh, requires full-time employees, and at the same time, uh, accommodate all of our creditors that were literally breathing down our backs. And it took us, I would say, about two and a half years to really get our heads above water because uh, for a period of two years, uh, we were then involved in litigation with Capital Records, and Capital wasn't really, I feel, getting behind our product. and. Uh, I don't think the boys themselves were really uh, mentally prepared to really uh, get into their own recordings, and the problems just magnified themselves. And uh, for two and a half years, it was a nightmare. Another facet that Brian mentioned in the press conference was their own subsidiary label, Brother Records, which was also a financial failure. We had signed several acts to Brother Records. We brought in an outside producer. We signed a couple of writers out of New York. We had a staff. We had about four people at the time writing for us and and, and cutting sides and uh, trying to really launch Brother Records as a label that uh, would have different facets of music and, of course, being headlined by the Beach Boys particularly. And as everybody just put pressure on the boys, the boys did not become interested in pursuing Brother Records. The enthusiasm wasn't there because they weren't getting the enthusiasm from the people that should have been behind them and pushing them. And I'm not talking about Capitol Records either. So off to Europe for the band. And on Friday, May 30th, they kicked things off at Brighton Dome for a sellout crowd. The openers on this tour were Paul Revere and the Raiders and Joe Hicks. They did two shows every night. Royston Eldridge of Melody Maker commented, The Beach Boys proved that they can produce on stage both intricate and simple songs without losing any of the control that most groups can only attain in the studio. He especially singled out their performance of Rock and Roll Woman for praise. Carl Wilson, playing acoustic guitar, had a controlled yet powerful voice, and the group's harmonies are tremendous. Ladies and gentlemen, the stars of my show, what do I have to say except here are the Beach Boys! 
David Hughes from Disc and Music Echo writes, If the Beach Boys are really in Britain to make some quick money and get themselves in the black again, they're certainly making sure they earn it. At the sedate Hammersmith Odeon on Saturday, the world's most popular active group turned an uncommonly apathetic First House audience into rousing cheers with 50 nonstop minutes, taking in no less than 18 hit songs. We have a new record coming out next week on Pathé Marconi. Carl sings the first lead. It's called Breakaway. Hey! Okay. Two, Hope you like it. And we dedicate it to my father who's in the audience. Our Uncle Murray's in the audience. I mean, Dennis's father. My uncle. Al's. What? <laughs> Hello, Murray. This whole Paris show is available on YouTube and it's fantastic. I think it's a it's really interesting to see the boys performance at this time. Like the the selection of songs is really interesting and um, the crowds were super into it. If uh, if you are a patron of the show possibly there will be a a new unhinged episode coming soon. According to sources, uh, yeah, I've heard the same thing that there is a new so <laughs> unhinged. Check episode. that out if you're interested. You can hear all the unhinged episodes with Nia at Patreon.com/saleon. It is the only way to support the show. Um, so thanks to all you guys, especially the newest patrons: Simon Armstrong, Paul Kelly, Randy Marcus, The Orange Friction, Alex Gerhard, Kevin Lafferty. P. Hutchinson, Dmitry Mitrovic, Eric Melberg, Chris Hawking, STVNGJMS, <laughs> Stephen James, maybe, Joe Buck Roberts, and everyone else that is a supporter of the show. Thank you guys so much. We traveled all through Europe on that tour and were greeted by enthusiastic audiences everywhere. But without question, the highlight for us was Czechoslovakia. When we arrived in Prague, it was only a few months after the Russian invasion. We didn't know what to expect. The city was still occupied, but to our amazement, kids were out in the streets asking for our autographs. We'd never seen anything like it. They wanted to know all about America, the latest records, and rock and roll. This is uh, our new song, we have here. And we're very happy to be here, all the way from the west coast of the United States of America. We'll dedicate this next number, which is called Breakaway to uh, Mr. Dubček, who is also here. <laughs> When we returned to the U.S., 
The response we had received in Europe, especially in Czechoslovakia, had really inspired us and renewed our confidence. It also put us back in touch with how young people were feeling. Surfing, cars, and girls were okay, but there was a war going on. A lot was going down. So yeah, they come back from tour, and immediately they're in the studio working on what was now the Sunflower album. Um, and they're finishing up some of the tracks they had already started, but also working on new songs. I think while they were in Europe, Brian was probably writing a lot under the, the financial problems they had. So Brian was like, okay, I'm going to write a great album. And he finished up some songs. And when the boys got back, they were ready to roll. And uh, yeah, so we're obviously going to spend a lot of time talking about Sunflower, but we're going to do a... I'd, I'd love to just get a few ideas and a few opinions from <laughs> you and... Um, just Sunflower in general, it's it's such a, a beloved album and it didn't get the respect that it should have when it came out mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And I think, you know, we'll talk about it, but I think my number one takeaway is that it just didn't have a single that was relevant enough in 1969 or 1970 to really put the Beach Boys back on the map. It just didn't. I mean, add add some music is just, you know, it was just so easy listening. And I feel like this whole world would have been a much better opening single. Mm. But who knows? I mean, there's, or, you know, got to know the woman, something like that. I think would have been much more relevant. I think think the standout song on this album, if you're going to talk about what could potentially mm -hmm. be a single, is It's About Time. I think there, I think there's actually no competition. Um, it is the big it's one of the biggest rockers that the beach boys ever wrote um mm-hmm. and i think it would have played really well in the landscape of 
This is my favorite Beach Boys album, Sunflower. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> and my second favorite is Surf's Up. So, you know, this, nice. I often think about them as like two sides of the same coin. Like Sunflower is, is light mm-hmm. and Surf's Up is dark, and but they are the same. Um, so to me, uh, they are very close um, and I love them both. But Sunflower, uh, no skips. <laughs> it's every track. Yeah. Every track is good and we get we get the best of Dennis Wilson, which is crazy because it's a fraction of what he wrote at this time. Absolutely. And I and yeah. I love every song um that he wrote on this album, of course forever being the standout. It took me a while to get into Slip On Through, but now I'm a total convert. Mm-hmm. Um and then I think the only other specific thing that I'll say is that At My Window is my favorite song from this album, <laughs> which wow. is a hot take, probably one of the hotter takes that I have. Um, nice. I think it's seven in my master ranking overall. Whoa. But yeah, I love that song, and I love uh, Raspberry Strawberries by the Kingston Trio, which is the song that it's based mm. on. Um, yeah. But man, I, Sunflower is like magic in an album and i think it's they're not doing themselves any favors by having them and all their children on the cover but it i think it reflected them at the time like i Mm -hmm. you know just to go back to what i was saying hours ago at this point um like their families are growing and so i think it made sense to them well this is who we are like we're dads and and we're making lullabies and it's such a beautiful it's such a beautiful effort from everybody it's the most balanced record in terms of contribution it's like ugh i can't say enough good things about it i love it so much Well, speaking of that cover photo, you know who took that photo? You know what? I did know this at one point, and now... <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot, but <laughs> it's Ricky Martin. So, okay. Dean Martin's son, son brother of, Gina. of Dino. Oh, yes. yes, and Gina. And future <laughs> wife of Carl, yeah. yeah. it's Wild stuff, yeah. 
all in the family. It's, you know. It is all in the family. It's not just the Wilsons. There's like a couple families <laughs> that are in, oh, yeah. in this world. And... Right, the Manson family. Okay, the... well, obviously, <laughs> obviously they are a part of the story, but. <laughs> Cue my favorite <laughs> clip of all time. You can't leave the family. Oh, yeah. Should we talk about an American family or? We'll speak it into existence here because we are going to do commentary tracks. Um, some Something like that for all the Beach Boys movies. Yeah. Um, you know the ones. We'll have to start with <laughs> Summer Dreams, of course. Because you haven't seen that. I haven't. You've seen some. Of I it. haven't seen it all the way through. I love Bruce Greenwood, and I watched the first scene <laughs> of that begins so, with Dennis's demise, and I said, I don't yes. want to watch this. So there are some there are some key moments in that in that um, biopic or whatever you want to call it that are special. Okay. Because it was based on heroes and villains, so it's very Dennis focused. Yeah. It's a very it's more or less like it's it's the Dennis story in many ways Mm -hmm. um and it does feature the cocaine tapes the the cocaine sessions the notorious uh bootleg recordings that were made some genuinely Um, incredible music from yeah wild stuff um truly fly on the wall material from brian and dennis um very uh they were both very out of their minds when they made that. It's pretty wild. But um, that is featured in the movie, at least at some at some point. We'll do that first, and then we'll do um, my favorite, American Family. I think if, 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 if an, the Beach Boys and American Family is not your favorite Beach Boys movie, what is? Because yeah. <laughs> it's mean, so good. <laughs> I love, I mean, Love and Mercy is great. I love Love well, and Mercy. Well, that's a legitimate film it's that a, is good. <laughs> it's <but> a legitimate <laughs> Hold on. You telling me that the American Family is not legitimate? John Stamos produced it. Come on. It's legitimate. And he's in it. <laughs> yeah, he is in it. The guy who plays Mike is the best Mike around. And then he is by far. I think Anthony Rapp's Van Dyke Parks is incredible. Ooh. Although they couldn't call him Van Dyke Parks. I can't remember what they called him, but he had like a fake name because they couldn't use Van Dyke Parks' name. I, that I don't remember, <laughs> but that is. His name fun. was like Samuel something. Oh, my God. Um, but yeah, I had that on. I that that came on when I was a freshman in college. Oh yeah. Um, to date myself, and I recorded it on VHS. So I had a VHS of that. I loved it. And um, I love it too. Well, we're not going to have any arguments about that. <laughs> It'll be fun to talk about. We'll do that at some point. I don't know when. We'll make it happen, and we'll do all. We'll do Love and Mercy too. Yeah. Why, why not? We got to do it all. But um, it's kind of uh. We'll do like a we'll we'll do a Beach Boys fantasy draft at the end, and we'll pick our favorite cast members for each for character. Each person. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. We'll make our favorite Beach Boys um, movie cast. Um, anyway, we'll get into that at some point, um, and then obviously we're going to get into next time the Beach Boys Sunflower Sessions. Will and John are going to jump back in. And make sense of all this stuff, and yeah, we'll we'll truck on. This season is going to be fun. We're going to do Sunflower. We will also discuss Stephen Kalinich album, of course. We will also discuss Surfs Up album, and perhaps even 
the Spring album or American Spring, as it's now known. But um, thanks, Nia, for coming on and and contributing your opinions and your info and everything. It's just awesome. Thank you for having me, Wyatt. I I love any time I get to contribute uh, to the Salon podcast. Well, we will hear from you again on the Patreon page. <laughs> and then if you're interested, I'd love to have you back to talk about more stuff. You know that in seven years, I'm going to make you have <laughs> me on for Keeping the Summer Alive, which is in my top five Beach Boys albums. Well, so. it's probably going to be before that. <laughs> But yeah, I'll come back anytime you want. Um, we'll have to see how this episode does, like download wise, before I have you back. So, oh you know, wow, we got to play analytics. Gee whiz! Um, Holy cow! I'm kidding. <laughs> We're doing well. The podcast is is rolling. We just passed four hundred forty three thousand downloads. Wow! So that's good. Well, thank you for taking the time out. It means a lot. Of course, yeah. And um, I will talk to you soon. All right. See ya. Thanks, Nia. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, so nice to be here with you guys talking about our favorite band, America's Band. The Beach Boys. That's right. So we'll see you next time. Will and John will be here to guide us through the Sunflower Sessions. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Love and mercy. Sail on, sailors. Couldn't we have met somewhere a little more convenient? Murray's got the house bugged.
Listen, you mentioned something on the phone about a new album, huh? I'm writing a teenage symphony to God. Samuel is helping. Do the Beach Boys are this pan-patriotic kind of trans-presidential vibe? They're Americana personified, and that gives us a platform to bring a kind of Mark Twain irony thing into rock and roll. I want to use lyrics as a rhythm element. Samuel is into that. An album doesn't have to be all songs, man. <laughs> a record can be just sounds, or maybe another one that's all humor jokes and stuff. Sour cream and onion chips with some dip, man. Some beef jerky, some peanut butter. Get some Haagen-Dazs ice cream bars, a whole lot of hot, make sure chocolate, gotta have chocolate, man. Some popcorn, bread popcorn, graham crackers. Graham crackers, the marshmallows, the little marshmallows, and little chocolate bars, and make some s'mores, man. Yeah.